Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we focus on behaviors, motivation, and all those things that really motivate our leadership and safety. I'm Mark. Glad you've joined me. Well, I bet you can guess uh, what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, OSHA released its emergency temporary standard for all employers over 100 people and what they're going to do for mandatory vaccination or testing for COVID-19. Lots of information was released. Uh, Lots of questions, of course, have been released. So I'm going to walk through what I've seen so far, uh, give you my opinions, give you my ideas behind what we're seeing. And of course, please don't take this as uh, legal advice or consulting. This is just me talking about what's happening. Got to get that out of the way. A little disclaimer there. But we got it released, and it's not as bad as it could be. I think a lot of people were expecting the worst. We're expecting a lot of really interesting issues from it. We were fortunate. There's a lot of opportunity to work around it. Uh, Some of it will be an administrative nightmare if your organization is extremely large. And there's definitely a sway toward vaccination. Now, I am not going to get political. I'm not going to judge If you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, that's a heated debate. What I'm going to talk about is what does this say and what makes sense? What doesn't seem to make sense? And probably a lot of it is going to be settled in court. I expect already there are things happening and we'll see where those go. But let's start off with first, if you go to the OSHA webpage, there is a ton of resources. There's the full standard. Uh, There are summaries available. There are uh, FAQ available. There's a fact sheet available. There's even a couple of sample policies, one for mandatory vaccination, one that will allow you to write a policy that requires either vaccination or the testing and masking mandate as part of the process. So we'll go in the background of it. The summary page starts off was that COVID-19 was not known to exist until January 2020. And I'm quoting this right from this summary from OSHA. Since then, nearly 745,000 people, many of them workers, have died from the disease in the U.S. alone. So what it's saying is that there's not a correlation 
between that 745000 and working, but there are workers who contracted it. So this has been one of the fundamental arguments since the beginning that OSHA was going to get involved is that how much of this is actually work-related? Are these deaths work-related? And does OSHA have jurisdiction over something that might be more contagious outside of work than inside of work? And again, you may have your exact opinion on this. I'm curious about it. I'm concerned from the standpoint of that it's really hard for me to think that these preventions in the workplace is going to make a huge difference outside of the workplace too. And you can still bring it to it. There's still risk. There's still significant risk regardless, simply because this is something that's happening outside of the workplace. When you think about the last emergency temporary standard that was significant, it was asbestos. And that was 30 something years ago. And you go back to that one and you think, okay, most people are not encountering asbestos and a significant amount by going to work or going recreational places. That's not something you're bumping into and potentially having exposure. You were having exposure in the workplace significantly and majority. So at the end of the day, is COVID the same? Or could I get it by going grocery shopping, going to the movies, going to the mall, going on vacation? And is my risk higher there or a greater chance than if I was at work? Wow. I think that's going to be a linchpin argument is about jurisdiction. And if this is something of that sort. So they've made the tie here. They've made it sound like there's a correlation, but there's not a really a big proof of correlation. And the other thing that concerns me as far as work relatedness is concerned is that I keep seeing reports saying that workers' compensation insurance claims are going down, that the cost is lower, premiums are lower. And to me, that doesn't correlate with a lot of extra workplace illness, potentially, from COVID. Anyway, I'm going to jump off of that. That is my soapbox because I don't understand it. I want to protect people. Absolutely. 100%. Do I want to do whatever I can to make sure my team is healthy and safe at work? Yes. Has this been also a distraction from traditional safety practices like falls and electrical safety and lockout, tagout and confined space and trenching? Yeah, it has been. And I don't want to lose focus of the things that absolutely 100% are work-related and hurting people seriously. And then also the amount of effort that has been put into COVID and the risk that is both internal and external to the workplace. And I think that is where I am having the biggest trouble is that we can control inside the workplace, but we can't control outside the workplace very well. Now, of course, mandatory vaccination processes certainly makes an influence. And this is, I think, a push to create that immunity from anyone who is a worker and having that option out there that now you need to be vaccinated uh, rather than not vaccinated to have employment in a workplace of 100 or more, even though there are provisions in place to allow you not to be vaccinated and to be a worker. But it also gives you um, some interesting choices in the FAQ that I want to go through and it's going to be tricky 
and it's going to be decided in the courts, uh, ultimately. I think we're going to have some really interesting court cases that are going to show us what is happening. But let's start with who does this apply to? This standard is for employers of 100 people or more. And it is very clear. They have a whole section of scope. And basically, if you have 100 people in your corporate entity, whether they work at home, whether they're spread across the nation, whether they're spread across uh, vaccinated and unvaccinated, if they work remotely, if your corporation, not just your location, but your corporation, your entire company, anyone who would be under your umbrella of company, is someone that is 100 people or more, this standard applies to you. You could have 100% of your people vaccinated. You're still going to need a policy. You're still going to need to collect some data and be prepared uh, if OSHA comes knocking, which is another issue, is that they're still really far behind from just the whistleblower claims and the concerns from last year's COVID madness. They're still trying to keep up and get involved there. So I think it's going to be hard to enforce. And that's been a big push from the beginning is that they have been underfunded. They've been cut. They've been not hiring until recently. So they're a little bit behind, not just a little bit, probably a lot. And so when will this actually be something that they can attest to? Now we have 30 to 60 days, depending on the vaccination status to become compliant. And again, it's 100 people, regardless of size. So 100 people, regardless of your location, regardless of all the other items. So now that we've defined the scope, we're going to take a short break. I'm going to catch my breath. We're going to come back and talk more about this COVID ETS. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. This episode, 100% dedicated to our COVID ETS that was released. And so we're going to jump into some of these more items that are in the standard. And I'm going to go directly to the FAQ. If you're reading up on this new standard, I would go to that, that FAQ page because it has probably the most most in-depth and easy to find information and it really dives down into it and it talks about the plan talks about the scope i would really recommend that if you're going to be in charge of crafting or maybe you already have a policy on covid that you read this to make sure that you're going to be meeting the intent and compliance of what is here some of the information shocks me a little bit um to be honest. And so when I go in here and I go to 3H, and this is about employer policy on vaccination, 
And the question is, if I decide to have a mandatory vaccination policy, does OSHA require me to continue to employ an unvaccinated person? And the big answer is no, OSHA doesn't care. Uh, You can eliminate that person and terminate that employee. But then they put in there, hey, you better check on your ADA, EEO, and all those other items to make sure that you're following that process. But we're seeing that there have been some court cases that have been recently put out there of where employees have been terminated because of this. And it seems like OSHA is going to, in a way, address it, in a way, also kind of push it over to the other Department of Labor departments. Uh, But it's interesting to see that you can see that there is, and it feels, and this is my personal opinion, it feels like they are really pushing vaccination. Right, wrong, indifferent. There seems to be something pushing in that direction. It it just feels that way from when you read it. So you have to have the employees, one, you have to be able to provide, if OSHA comes knocking within four hours, an aggregate list of vaccinated versus unvaccinated for your organization. If they ask for further information, you will have to provide the records of vaccination, whether it be a doctor's report, whether it be the vaccination card, but you will need to maintain those. And those are going to be treated under 4D of the FAQ as medical records. So you're going to have to keep them, have your HR team or your safety team They're going to be treated confidentially. They're going to be put away, but they can be produced as needed when requested. And of course, your team members, if they lose their card, they can come get a copy from you because you're going to have that. They have the right to their own medical records, but you don't, shouldn't be sharing those medical records among other employees. There are requirements in here for support for vaccination and do you have to provide leave or sick time? Don't have to do that, but certainly you have to think about how this will be set up for our teams and and how much are we going to be promoting it and supporting it and really encouraging it? Because I think that's the right way to go is to, if your organization wants your team to be vaccinated, push it. Talk about the good stuff. Don't just threaten it. And that, because that's not a great motivational technique. You want to talk about, and there was a great news story that came out. I think it was from New York Times. It talked about how, like, one employee was not so sure about vaccination. She read about it. She talked to the company about it. And then she was vaccinated and then started spreading her message of, hey, I thought it was worth it after evaluating and thinking about it, after being one who wasn't, but then changed my mind. Talk about it. Have information available. I think that's important that we allow people to make a good decision, whatever is right for their life, that we make allow them to make a good decision. Now, there is the ability to, instead of getting vaccinated, if you have those that don't want to be or have an accommodation of some form, they still have to be weekly tested and require a mask as long as the ETS is out there and functional. And when it comes to testing, it, if you are a remote worker, the only time you'd have to be tested is if you're going out to do work at a site. So if you're going into the public as for work or you're coming into the office, you would have to have a test within seven days of that visit. So if you're 100% remote and you don't want to get a vaccination, 
uh, you're going to be somewhat exempt from a lot of these items until you have to emerge into public or come into an office for work. Even if you are going to be socially distanced in your office or avoiding people in the office, if you're coming to the public location, you're going to have to be tested and mask up for that. You can use over-the-counter testing, but it cannot be self-administered and self-read. So either the company can administer it or the company can read it, but you can't just go on the honor system of buying a bunch of home kits, sending them to your team, and saying, hey, test yourself and let me know if you're ever come back positive. You've got to have a verification process in some form or fashion that you're checking it, which is very important from the company that you have to be able to verify what is happening. Once someone tests positive, they have to take that 10 days off or they have to isolate for, until a medical professional releases them. Once they are released back to work, they have a 90-day period where they are not tested anymore. So they get a 90-day process to kind of get over whatever they, they had and then they go back into the testing routine again after that 90 days. So it's very interesting to talk about um, how that occurs. So they were talking about the idea that only when they come to the workplace or have to go and work that that would happen. Um, they do have to notify the employer of when this happens. There is some information in here about face coverings. It means that it's two layers or more of tightly woven fabric, making sure that it's snug, that making sure it fits. It doesn't have any exhalation holes that allow it to pour out of there. The reporting process is still the same. If you have a COVID fatality or inpatient, uh, you have to try to track it down. The fact sheet that was out there from before is still out there and it's not changing. So that is going to remain the same for recordability, but you still have got to do your due diligence to make sure that whatever you're doing is appropriate to that. Again, it says, how long is this ETS? It's anticipated that maybe for six months, it could be longer or whenever the pandemic evolves or resolves, then it could be rescinded. And there is um, some comment period going on now for 30 days. That should be really, really interesting. So there's a lot of work ahead of us that are going to be in charge of doing this. And so we have to be prepared. We have to get out there and start working on it as leaders, as safety people, as people who are interested in COVID. We've got some work. Luckily, there's some templates available, but I think logistically, depending on how you're choosing to take the direction, where there's going to be some work ahead of us. I encourage you to read it, uh, comment, you know, send me some information on what you think or what you're doing. I'm really curious of benchmarking some of the ideas that are happening here and how we're going to as an organization, as a safety community, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? Uh, how are you taking care of your team during this time? Appreciate you listening in for this episode. As I'm closing, I'm going to give a plug here. I was interviewed recently for another podcast, the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. They did a podcast and they interview safety professionals from all facets of security, safety, emergency preparedness. It's a great podcast. And I was honored uh, to be interviewed recently for it. That podcast is now out. You can listen to it on uh, any of your podcast uh, 
media that you like to use, please, I would encourage you to listen, subscribe, rate it. Uh, really had a great time being interviewed for it. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed listening to their podcast for quite some time. So really honored. Again, the Employee Safety Podcast by Alert Media. Check it out. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Until next time that we chat, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.